Today's scripture reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he, had, he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should, you not, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant, as I have had mercy on you? And in his anger his master delivered him to the jailers, until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is the reading of God's word. Let me pray for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for just your continued love and grace and mercy. We thank you for just the many ways that we've been so richly blessed by you. And Father, we pray today as we delve into your word and as we think about a topic that's so important, but also very often difficult to do, as we think about forgiveness, we pray that we would remember how forgiven we are and that we would just as we look to you, be able to forgive those who may have wronged us, and that we will learn um, the importance of knowing your grace, but also sharing that grace with others as well. Uh, we pray for today that be a blessed time in the word, that you will convict us and encourage us through your word, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as Pastor Francis said, uh, you know, we're continuing on Matthew chapter 18, and if you remember, um, I think last week he went through verses 15 to 20, which is often talked about as you know, the passage on church discipline, right? It's, it's a passage that talks about, you know, what, what do you do when somebody, you know, has, has sinned, you know, and how do you approach them? And, you know, if that doesn't work, how do you maybe bring another brother with you and then maybe bring it to the church? And we have went through all of that. And so today, kind of right after that, Jesus is going to talk about forgiveness but if you look at the passage, he doesn't just bring it up. Right? If you look at the passage, it's actually Peter that goes up to Jesus, and Jesus, he actually literally asks him the question, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Right? So Jesus is talking about forgiveness, so I think it's getting into Peter's head, okay, I'm called to forgive. Right? I'm called to you know, forgive me when somebody sins against me. Now, specifically, it says when my brother Sin against me, right? He's talking obviously about really the, the family of God, right? I guess you know, for us today, it'd be really the church, right? Other Christians, people in the church, and how often should I forgive? And then he actually gives a number. He makes a suggestion as many as seven times. 
Now, that's important because Peter was obviously a Jew, and, you know, Jewish teaching, rabbis taught often that you should forgive somebody up to three times, right? You know, if somebody wronged you, you forgive them, they do it again, you forgive them again, do it again, third time, but that was it. Three times, you're good. The fourth time, right, you don't actually need to forgive. And so I think when Peter says seven times, the context here is I think he's trying to be a big man, right, a magnanimous guy. He said, hey, look, seven times. That's a lot, right? It's also a number of completion. And he probably, you know, I think all the commentators I read, seems to, they seem to think I mean, he probably, or at least a lot of them seem to think, he probably would have thought maybe Jesus would have been like, yeah, that's a great number, right? Good for you. But Jesus' response is, I do not say seven times, but 77 times. I think the translation there, I think it's tricky for people because, some, you know, sometimes it's considered 70 times seven times, which would be more like 490. But I think the point here is this, whether it's 70 times seven or 77, the point Jesus is making is don't count, right? Because you are called to forgive as many times as he has sinned against you. That's really the point here, right? So Jesus is saying there's no limit. He's not saying sit there, 36, 37, right, 71, 72. I've hit 77 times. Right? I'm done with you. That's not the point. The point is as much as someone has sinned against you, you have to be willing to forgive. Now, I'm thinking at that moment, Peter, the apostles are probably all in shock. They're probably like, what? That's crazy. And so what does Jesus do, as he often will do? He tries to teach them about forgiveness through a parable. And obviously, we know a parable is a story that Jesus often uses to teach people right, an important principle about the kingdom here. And he says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servant. So here's a king. He settled on accounts. Now, you have to understand verse 24 here. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, talent, you know, again, all the scholars I read, it's hard to measure exactly how much a talent is worth, but it is one thing to note, it is an exorbitant amount, right? And so, you know, people say different things, but I think a good rule of thumb seems to be a talent is about 20 years wages, 20 years wages. So think about that, 10,000 talents, 20 years wages times 10,000. It is a huge amount. I've seen scholars say millions of dollars at today's billions of dollars. I've even seen somebody say maybe it might be in the, in the trillions. But the point is, it is a huge amount, which that makes you think, well, how could a servant even owe 10,000 talents, right? And so clearly this servant is not what you would think of a butler, right, or like a maid. It's not, it's not that kind of a servant. It's clearly a servant who had a lot of responsibility, you know, somebody who had some kind of authority, who was probably some kind of administrative capacity. But the point is this servant, who had a lot of responsibility probably, is owing a ridiculous amount of money. It's actually too much to ever pay back. And, you know, scholars would also say, if somebody owed this much money, this could put even the king's ruin jeopardy because that's too much to owe. That's too much debt. And so what happens? The master says, sell this guy, sell his children, sell his wife, right, until payment is made, which means for the rest of your life, you know, you're, you're going to be miserable because there's no way you could pay that back. 
But what does a servant do? He gets on his knees. He, he pretty much he begs. And he says, have patience with me. I will pay you back everything. Now, again, that makes no sense because there's no way, no way that this servant could ever pay back 10,000 talents. We're talking probably billions of dollars worth of money, impossible to pay back. And yet, he begs and says, please, have patience with me. And again, even more shocking, in verse 27, what happens? The master feels pity for the servant, and then what does he do? The master releases him and forgives the debt. Now, even if the story stopped there, it might be a kind of a feel-good story, but it's a ridiculous story. How can you owe that much money? But how would anybody cancel that debt? Right? I'm sure we've all had somebody owe us money before, but even if it's $100 and they say, I can't pay you back, it might be hard to say, oh, it's okay. You'd probably be like, I want that money back, right? You know, and obviously we know often relationships are ruined because of money issues. This is a servant who owes 10,000 talents, probably billions of dollars worth of money, but the master forgives him, cancels the debt, and then the crazy part is, even more so, at this moment, he goes out. You think he should be ecstatic, he should be humbled, right? He should be grateful, but what happens? He sees another servant, right? fellow servant who owes him 100 denarii. Now, that is, they, they consider one denarius a one day's wage. So 100 denarii would be 100 days of work. Now, you can calculate that, and everybody makes different amounts of money for a day laborer. So that's probably, you know, 100 days, probably, you know, maybe four months, right? If you, you know, think about days off, maybe four months worth of salary. That is not a small sum. That is actually a sizable amount of money that is owed to this guy. But think about a second. Yeah, this guy owes you a good amount of money, but you were just forgiven a ridiculous amount of money. And yet, instead of forgiving this guy, what does he do? He seizes him and he chokes him. He's getting physically violent and says, you better pay back what you owe. And this other servant who owes him money now same thing, have patience with me, I will pay you. So he's pretty much telling this servant what the servant said to the, the king, really. Please, have patience with me, I'll pay you back. Except the difference is this, the first servant, there's no way he could pay back the master. But this fellow servant could actually pay you back a hundred denarius, right? That, that could happen, but what happens? He refuses and he puts the other servant into prison until he should pay the debt. Right? It's just messed up. I was just forgiven 10,000 talents, and yet I'm going to see the first guy that owes me money and throw that person into jail. That's what happens. The master hears about this. Master's upset, and he says, you wicked servant, I forgive you all that debt. Could you plead it with me? And you have not had mercy on your fellow servant. I have had mercy on you. And in his anger, what does the master do? He delivers the first servant to jail until he pays his debt. Now, we look at this passage, and you know maybe you know the story. You know, it's a relatively well-known story, I think. And there's really three things I think I want to highlight today as we think about this, this parable. First is, in Christ, we have been forgiven. Secondly, as Christians, we are called to forgive. 
And thirdly, well, how then are we able to forgive, right? So in Christ, we have been forgiven. As Christians, we are called to forgive. And how are we able to forgive? Now, first thing here, in Christ, we have been forgiven. Now, you look at this passage, think about the story, right? Obviously, in this parable, it would appear, right, that, you know, the servant is really us, right? The first servant is really us, and obviously, we owe a lot. And obviously, the master, the king, right, seems to be, you know, pointing to who God is, right? And so, the idea here is this. When Jesus is talking about forgiveness, he starts by talking about a king who had a servant who owed him 10,000 talents. Why does he do that? Why does he make the story in that way? Because he's trying to show us the amount of debt that we have. Right? Before we even talk about forgiving anybody else, the thing that, that Jesus is really wanting us to know is in Christ, you've been forgiven, but it's not just a small forgiveness. It is a crazy forgiveness. Because if you think about who we are, we are sinners. But if you think about us, God created us, right, to glorify God, to enjoy him forever. But the way we live our lives, obviously we're born with sin since the fall of man, but we sin every day. We sin all the time. And if you think about who we are and where we're going, we have a huge debt. We have an eternal debt, right? Our sins lead to death, obviously, to condemnation. And so who we are without Christ are sinners condemned with no hope. And so the idea of forgiveness for us is like this 10,000-talent servant. The, the, the amount of forgiveness we receive is enormous. It's eternal. It's, it's, it's infinite. It's, you can't even count it. And so the idea for us to realize is in Christ, we've been forgiven. We had no hope. We were born, right, and we lived a whole life of sin. And without Christ, we have nothing going for us. We have no hope. And yet, obviously, we know, right, the Father sent his Son into the world for his people to, you know, to die. Christ humbly went to the cross. He died on the cross for the sake of his people. He bore, obviously, our sins upon the cross. And obviously, when we have faith in Christ, we are forgiven, we are saved, we have eternal life. And here's what we know. In Christ, we have been forgiven, but the 10,000 talents is trying to show us, help us to get a grasp of the amount of forgiveness that we have received. It is an infinite amount of forgiveness. We have no good in us apart from Christ, right? We are sinners condemned to die, to hell, to eternal damnation. And yet, obviously, because of what Christ has done for his people, when we put our faith in Christ, we are forgiven, we are saved. And so in Christ, we have been forgiven. That's the setup. But going from there, then as Christians, secondly, we are called to forgive. And really, when you look at the passage, even if you're not a Christian, right? even if you, you know, don't even believe in God, I think you look at this story, and it would make you think that this first servant is messed up, right? I mean, if you look at the story, and you just read the story, and just looking at it, I owe, let's say, billions of dollars. Someone forgave me the billions of dollars. And right after that, I see somebody who owes me probably thousands of dollars, 
which is a good amount of money, and yet I choked that person, I yelled at that person, right? I threw that person into prison, and I pretty much said, until you pay me back, you're stuck there. Give me what is mine. Like, I think anybody looking at the story will say, wow, that makes no sense. How messed up of a person are you that you will receive that kind of grace and yet you can't extend any grace to somebody else? How ungrateful are you? How selfish are you? And that's the point. The point that Jesus is making is as a Christian, you know you've been forgiven. In Christ, your debt was enormous, but Christ paid the debt for you on the cross. He died and took your place. And so what he's trying to say is as a Christian then, What are you called to do? The extravagant grace you have received, you're supposed to give that extravagant grace to somebody else. But again, the comparison, he's here on purpose. 10,000 talents, probably billions, 100 denarii, probably thousands. What is that comparison? Whatever amount of forgiveness you're called to give, whatever someone has done to you, even if they have done something to you that you think is awful, Compared to what Christ has done for you, compared to the forgiveness you receive, what is Jesus saying? The forgiveness you are to give is very little. That's really what he's trying to say here. No matter how wrong you have been, no matter how difficult it is for me to forgive somebody else, he's saying, remember what you have received. And when you compare the two, what you were called to do is nowhere near what Christ was called to do, right? The forgiveness you've been granted is so much greater than any forgiveness you were called to give anybody, no matter how wrong they may have been. That's the comparison that we are seeing. And so what is, again, Jesus highlighting that as you have received forgiveness, you are obviously called to give forgiveness. That is why, if you look at the end of the passage, it's actually a difficult thing to read. At the end of the passage, the master throws the wicked servant into prison, into jail. And in his anger, the master says, until you pay all your debt, you're going to be in jail. And then Jesus actually, in verse 35, explains this, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now, that's hard. You read that, you're like, whoa, what? Is Jesus saying that in order for me to be forgiven, I have to first forgive? Right? Is that what he's saying? And obviously, we know from the rest of the Bible that that is not true, right? There's, you know, our faith is not a works righteousness faith. It's not, hey, if I forgive, then God will forgive me. But if I don't forgive, God will not forgive me. That's not how, obviously, Christianity works. We know Obviously, that we are forgiven. It is by grace we have been saved, and now we are called to do, obviously, good work. So what is Jesus saying here? And I think this is important. Really, the point is this. If I know forgiveness, if I know grace, if I have been just transformed and changed by the grace that God has given me in Christ, if I know the forgiveness that I've received and that is blowing me away, then with that changed heart, I will be able to forgive others, right? That's, that's the way our faith works. I receive grace with faith, and now my faith leads to 
right? It's shown in my good works. But if I have no heart of forgiveness and I have absolutely no desire to ever forgive, then it is showing, right, Jesus is saying, that perhaps you didn't know forgiveness to begin with. Because how can a changed heart that has been forgiven not know also how to forgive? Now, obviously, I don't want to minimize the fact that forgiveness can often be very difficult. Some of us, maybe all of us, have been hurt in deep ways, either from somebody we love, somebody we don't know, but all of us, I'm sure, have gone through certain things in our lives that have been very difficult. And so forgiveness is hard. I would not, never tell somebody who is crying, who is really hurt, right, who is really upset, hey, you got to forgive. Because Jesus says to forgive. I mean, that's an insensitive comment. But what Jesus really is saying, though, is, again, it may take time. It may, you know, it may be a process. But a, a heart that has been forgiven a heart that has tasted grace, a heart that knows God's mercy and has been transformed by that will have a desire, right, to show that kind of mercy to others, to want to forgive. It's difficult, but as Christians, we are called to forgive. And there's honestly no way around it. I've, there have been times in my life where I was really upset at somebody. I, I remember saying things like, I would never forgive that person. Actually, I remember as a kid, uh, I think I was in elementary school, I overheard, I don't think I was supposed to hear this conversation, but I overheard a pastor talking to somebody else, and I think the comment was something like this, I can forgive everybody but her. And I know, again, as a kid, I was thinking, whoa, I can't believe a pastor just said that, right? And so I eavesdropped a little bit more. And you know, the context was he was really upset with his sister. Right? And I think it was because his sister, he had felt, had taken advantage of their mother in some ways. And so because he didn't like the way his sister was treating his mother or their mother, he was really upset. And I'm sure he didn't mean it. Well, I don't know. I guess I'm guessing maybe he didn't mean it fully, but in, the, in his anger, right, and his love for his mom, he said something to, you know, to something to like, I think it was in Korean that I heard. So I don't remember the exact translation, but, you know, something to the account of, I can forgive anybody but her because what she is doing is unacceptable. And I, I'm sure we've all thought things like that, right? So-and-so, I can't forgive. No way. But I think as Christians, when I'm looking at myself and the sin that I have committed against God, which is far greater than any sin anyone will commit against me, really Christ is saying, if you have been forgiven, you are called to have that heart of forgiveness. Now, I will make a little caveat here. I, I think you can have an attitude and a heart of forgiveness. However, obviously, reconciliation, which we saw, you know, last week's message, right, and Pastor Fat just talked about it. The reconciliation sometimes, you know, that, that takes two, right? That you can't reconcile with somebody who doesn't want to be reconciled with you. However, you can and should have an attitude and a heart of forgiveness. That's really the point here on my end. Now, then to my last point, and I think this is in many ways maybe the most important point, well, how are we able to forgive? Right? So in Christ, we have been forgiven. As Christians, we are called to forgive. But thirdly, lastly, how are we able to forgive? Right? Because that's great. Yeah, okay, God forgave me. God wants me to forgive, so I should forgive. Now let's go do it. 
It's, it's, it's hard. Well, how do I do it? What if I don't want to? What if the person has wronged me in a way that has made me so angry, I feel there's no hope, there's no way. I know I should, but I just can't. How do I, how do, I do it? How do I think about this? And let me, let me look at it this way. If you look at the passage, it's given in economic terms. I think this is helpful. Because what is, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is saying that I have, that, you, that you, you have a debt towards me, right? Forgiveness is saying that, you know, there is, there, there is a debt that you have incurred because you have wronged me, and I am saying I am not going to make you pay that debt, if you think about it. So in economic terms, right, the king, the king has a servant who owes him 10,000 talents. Let's just say, I don't know, let's just make up a number. I'll say $20 billion, right? Just make up a number to make it easier. He owes me $20 billion. Now, that's a lot of money, and so I want you to pay back my $20 billion. But if I choose to forgive you, that means you don't owe me $20 billion anymore. But the $20 billion didn't just go away. What happened? You didn't pay for it. Who paid? I had to pay for it. Does that make sense? Right? If you think about it, right? I mean, but you can do that even with less money, right? Let's imagine, you know, I don't know. Let's just imagine I borrowed Pastor Francis's car one day, right? I think his car is actually kind of nice, right? It looks fun. Let's say I drove his car because, I don't know, my car broke down, and I crashed it. And it's, it's totaled. And I'm, I apologize to him. I'm so sorry. But honestly, I don't have the money to like, pay you back. And he says to me, don't worry about it. I got this. That feels great to me. I'm like, whoa, I got away with this guy free. Yay, I'm so happy. But it stinks for him. Because what does that mean? I don't have to pay for it, but he paid for it. And that's the way, you know, again, in financially speaking, that's the way it works. For me to forgive your debt, I have to pay the debt. Right? That's forgiveness. All right, so... If it's not monetary, what does that mean? If you have wronged me, if you have hurt me, if you have really done something to me that just like you stabbed me in the back, you're doing something, I feel hurt. So what do I normally do? I make you pay. So maybe as a kid, right, one of your friends hurt you, so what do you do? You punch that kid back in the face, right? I pay back by physically returning harm to you. And what happens as a kid? You feel better, right? You feel better. It's wrong, but you still feel better. And as you get older, maybe you don't do it physically, but maybe somebody does something really bad to you, so what do you do? You, 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 know, you curse them out. You yell at them. You say some nasty things to their face and let them know how awful they are. You, you're paying them back. And again, you feel kind of better, right? You, you let it out. Or maybe, you know, that seems unholy to you. As a Christian, I shouldn't be like that. So instead of doing that, what do I do? I talk about you. I don't say anything to you, but I tell other people, that dude's awful. Right? That, that, that girl, oh, she's terrible. Or maybe, you know, again, I want to be a good Christian, so maybe I'll put it like this. I want to pray for this person because this is the kind of person they are, right? But, you know, but, but either way, what am I doing? I'm talking a lot of negative things about somebody else. Again, what am I doing? I'm trying to make them pay for the sin they have committed against me. Or maybe next time I see this person that has hurt me, I just give them a glare, or I give them a cold shoulder, 
I ignore them. But oh yeah, what am I doing? I'm making you pay. I'm doing different things, right? Or maybe I don't do any of those. Maybe I just think it in my head. I just think bad thoughts about you. Every time I think about you, just have a bunch of negative thoughts. And maybe when something bad happens to you, I rejoice. And again, it makes me feel better. Why? Because I am making you pay off the debt. You hurt my reputation. I can't wait for your reputation to get ruined. Right? You hurt my feelings. I want somehow to figure out a way to hurt your feelings. Right? You hurt somebody I love. I want to hurt somebody you love or hurt you some way, somehow. Whether it's through a glare, whether it's through gossip and slander, whether it's saying something bad to you, just thinking negative thoughts about you. Again, I'm trying to make you pay for your sin against me. But if I want to forgive you, what does that mean? It means even if I want to hit you, I refrain. It means when I want to say something nasty to you, I say, no, I'm not going to. It means when I want to gossip and slander you, I say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. It means when I'm still thinking negative thoughts about you, I decide I'm not going to do that. Now, that hurts, right? I wanted to glare at you, but I didn't. And somehow that, I feel hurt. Why? Because I'm paying that debt. Right? I wanted to say something nasty, but I didn't. It hurts. Why? Because, again, I'm paying that debt. And I remember Jesus says to even love your enemies. And so I say, instead of hurting you, making you pay, let me actually pray for you, pray for your growth. Let me actually try to treat you with, with love and kindness. Even though I don't really want to, let me treat you with kindness. Right? Maybe instead of saying negative things about you and rejoicing in your hurts, right? And bad things happening to you, let me actually pray for you and try to bless you. Let me try to make a decision to love and try to forgive you, even though I don't want to. Because I, I believe, I think it's biblical, like forgiveness is it's granted. Before it's felt. You know, a lot of times we want to feel forgiveness before I forgive somebody. How's that going for us? Right? We don't feel forgiveness. We have to make a decision. I'm going to forgive you. And I'm not going to make you pay. I'm going to pay it. I'm going to pay it. And instead of cursing you, all right, and hating you, let me actually try to pray for you and try to hopefully be a blessing to you. And again, you're going to say, well, how do you do that? I think that's where the gospel is the only thing that lets us do it. Because when we look at Christ, what do we see? We see our debt, which is infinite. It's like those 10,000 talents, except it's even bigger. But what do we see Jesus doing when he goes to the cross? Jesus goes to the cross, and he's pretty much saying, I'm going to forgive you of your infinite debt, but How? I'm going to pay the price, right? You don't have to pay back your debts. I'm going to forgive you. How? I am going to literally die on this cross. I'm going to go through hell itself on this cross. I'm going to be forsaken on this cross for you so that I can pay your debts, so that I can forgive you. The king is taking the place of the servant on that cross. And he's saying, I am going to pay your debts that you owe me. And I'm going to die so that I 
and choose to forgive you because I love you. And when I understand that, when that reality becomes real to me, then when I see someone else who owes me, who has hurt me, and I think it's too much, I look at what Christ has done for me and think of that debt that he has paid. And what what happens? My heart begins to change. And I look at this person who owes me, and instead of just thinking about how bad they are, I can start thinking about how great Christ is and what he has done for me. And as that changes my heart, I'm able to forgive this other person who has a debt of forgiveness, because of debt that he or she owes me. And that is what slowly changes my heart, so that I can forgive a person that does not deserve forgiveness, because I didn't deserve forgiveness. And yet Christ paid that, so I can be forgiven. And so that's, that's my prayer today. As we look at this passage, all of us have been wronged. All of us have been hurt. We probably all have people that are really difficult to forgive. But I pray that we will remember in Christ we have been forgiven. That we remember that as Christians where we are called to forgive. But I do that as I look to Christ who has forgiven me of so much. And he gives me the desire and the strength to forgive, to love, as I have been forgiven and loved. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We worship you. Father, we have been forgiven of so much. And our debt is not, it's immeasurable. And yet, We look at our Savior who took our place upon the cross, who paid the debts that we have incurred and who has forgiven us. And Father, we pray that as we think of this forgiveness and this love, that we would desire and find the power to forgive those who have wronged us, especially as it pertains to our brothers and sisters in the family of God we would look upon them with the love that Christ has given us and that we would learn to forgive and to reconcile and to love as we have been so deeply loved. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.